We're going to be starting out in the book of Psalms, chapter 5, verse 3. I read this scripture last week, and we're going to start from this scripture. We've been talking about prayer, and we've been talking about kind of how to construct our approach, if you will, to God as we pray. And so the last couple weeks, we were talking about praying with praise first. We're just going to praise God for who he is because he's worthy of it, not because he's answered our prayer for any other reason, just because he is who he is. And our first ask isn't going to be that he would answer our prayer, but our first ask would be, God, will you give us wisdom and insight into what you're doing? And then we're going to third stand and trust. We're going to trust that he is a God of provision and that he provides. Today, we're going to talk about what to do in the waiting. And I know for myself, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but you pray, you ask God for something, or you've been petitioning you may this morning not even believe in God. You're listening to this, or you're sitting here right now, and you may not even recognize, well, God is the God of the universe, and he's the God that created me, but you find yourself turning to some divine being in the universe and saying, I don't know if you're out there, but if you are, would you hear this? That is quite simply a prayer. And it's something built inside of each one of us to, to pray to a living God who has a, has a deep heart and a desire of relationship with his kids. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to wait. How do we wait? There's three aspects we're going to talk about to waiting on God. I like to say it's my kind of subtitle for this morning is the power of pause. The power of pause. Three things. Number one, waiting is active. We're going to talk about waiting is active. Uh, waiting is seasonal. And number three, waiting is relational. It's relational. Let's jump in in Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. It says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. And last week, I defined this. You can go on our YouTube channel and you can watch last week's message and get caught up if you want. And I talked about, and I'm not going to get into great detail, but I talked about this idea of waiting expectantly. And expectantly is like as if to lean forward, to look into something that's off in the future or that's out on the horizon. It's, God, I know you're a God of promise. I'm going to trust you. So I'm able to see from where my circumstances are today. I'm able to see into my future and the promise that you have for me. And it's this leaning forward and this this expectation like a good movie that gets you leaning forward and going, I, I think I know what's going to happen. And there's this ten tension built in the storyline. And in our lives, there's this tension built in the storyline of our lives. God has us living in seasons and times where we're leaning forward going, God, what are you going to do next? And God, I expect that you're going to deliver on your promises. And it's this idea of waiting expectantly. It's to keep watch as a, as a watchman on a tower. And so you see these old pictures where it depicts a town or a city, a nation that's built and fortified themselves with walls. And they have these towers on these walls where the men who sit in the towers were called watchmen. And the reason was so that they could see over eye-level circumstances and into the horizon and into what's further out. And there's this idea of us of, of waiting, being active, that we're actively looking into what God has promised and we're not getting caught up in the weeds. 
into the situations and circumstances. We, we see them and we recognize them, but God, we want to be watchmen and watch women on towers where we're seated and we have a higher view of things. In Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. It says to ask, to seek, and to knock. And, and then I love Jesus in this passage goes on and he says, for everyone who asks, receives. He, he's reiterating himself as if we can't catch it on the first time around. And I, sometimes in my life, I don't catch it on the first time around, so I have to go around that mountain twice. Can I get an Amen. For everyone who asks, receive, the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened again. It's this principle of, I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray, I'm going to seek, I'm going to pray again, and I'm going to knock. I'm going to pray with purpose. You know, when one of my children wants something, I love my five-year-old, she's, she's tenacious about going after the things that she wants. And children display this idea of ask, seek, and knock very well when it comes to requests and petitions. And my five, even though she doesn't have full verbal language, she can commu- that girl can communicate. She can communicate. She's got body rolls and, and head bobs and finger wags. And she's got some sign language. And one of the first things she learned, I don't know why in the world, like two and a half, she decided that she liked tea. She saw mom drinking chamomile lavender tea, so she wants tea. She couldn't say, I want tea, but she could say, tea. And so she would ask, and she would say, tea. And you say, well, hold on a second. I hear you. I'll get the tea for you. And you know, to my child as her dad or if her mom says that, our word is our promise. So our child is like, okay, you said I could have it. But see, do you know, uh, mom or dad, I'm going to ask tea. And then I'm like, hold on, I'll get it for you. I just got to take care of this. And I walk out of the room. And do you know what she does? She follows me. She seeks. See, I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to seek after you, sucker. I think you're trying to walk away from me. Sometimes we feel like, God, we ask God for something, and then we're like, God, where'd you go? He's like, I'm still here. I'm in the house. And then you go a step further. You're like, hold on a second. Daddy has to go into the bedroom and get something real quick. You shut the door. And do you know what that child will do? She's going to knock on that door. She's going to ask for that tea. She's going to search you out and find you, fool. And she's going to knock on that door. Tea. She's waiting with expectation, and her waiting is active. And then you get, you know, if you've never, if you've never experienced this as a parent, you aren't living Sometimes you're like, I just need to go to the bathroom by myself. And you get the fingers under the door. I'm here. I don't want you to be here. Tea. (laughs) And I wonder if sometimes we approach God like children who have such a high expectation that Our Father's word is his promise that we will ask, we will pray, we will pray again, and we will pray with purpose. 
And oftentimes, I will tell you as an adult, what I've learned is, is in the process of praying and praying again and praying with purpose, that in the process of that, I actually find my answer in the process. There's something about God telling us, you need to seek me out. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, and I read, I read the earlier passage to this, the connection point to this last week, and this is the gist of it. Is he's being asked about being cared for, and Jesus basically says, hey, listen, look how well the birds are taken care of and the flowers, and if I take care of them, how much more valuable are you? And we established last week that your value is priceless. And then he goes on to say, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough worries of its own. Family, we, we're like, we just want to get out of 2020. Just get to 2021. Is it Happy New Year yet? Are we there yet? Can I get your number? 2021, can I get your number? But can I tell you something? I don't want to be a party crasher, but 2021 is going to have the problems of its own. There's no guarantee 2021 is even going to be better than 2020. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we need to just focus on today. So Jesus is like, could you just stay, stay focused on today? Don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough of its own. So what I want you to do, and he goes on to say, but if you would seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness... If you would focus on the process of searching after me first, you know all the things that you need will be given to you. If you would focus on the provider and not the provision, you will be provided for. But it's active. When I say wait on God, it doesn't mean sit back and put your feet up and wait on God. In fact, it might mean wait on God, like a server does in a restaurant. It might mean you need to minister to God's heart in the waiting by waiting on God. You need him and his kingdom and his righteousness, his right thinking, so you can see things with wisdom, the wisdom that you prayed for. Oh, Pat, you better preach. I will. So waiting is active with expectation. Number two, waiting is a season. <laughs> waiting is a season. There's this guy in the Bible, Solomon. He was the son of this other guy named David. And David was made famous because he was this little dude who went out and he was bringing his... Now, this is, this is, this is Pat's translation of Scripture, Okay. David was this little dude who hung out with all of his dad's sheep and goats and all that. And he went out to deliver pizza to his brothers who were on the battlefield against this, this Philistine whose name was Goliath. Maybe you've heard about this story. You may not even know the Bible, but you've heard about the principle of Goliath in your life. This is this giant that you can't beat, you can't overcome. And little guy David comes out and he picks up five smooth stones. And the story, you know the story, right? whips it around, let's go with the stone, hits Goliath in the head, kills Goliath, then cuts his head off with his own sword. David goes on to become the king of Israel, has a son named Solomon. 
And Solomon, God's like, you can ask me for whatever you want. Solomon at a young age goes, God, give me wisdom. God's like, wow, that's impressive. You didn't ask for like a bunch of money. You didn't ask for like big or how. You didn't ask for none of that. You asked for wisdom. So God said, I'm going to give you everything. So Solomon was also known as one of the wealthiest people ever in history. So here's Solomon. He writes a couple books in this book we call the Bible. And one of them is this book, Ecclesiastes. And he says, this is, what, this is what Solomon says. And all his wisdom and all of his understanding and all of his getting in life, all the stuff he's acquired, this is what he, he understands. I love this. He says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. You know, life is made up of seasons. So I'm going to define this word wait in a little different manner now. It's a season of transition between a problem and a promise. It's a season of transition between a problem and a promise. You see, the nation of Israel traveled through the desert in the form of a cross with God at the center, and Moses was the leader of this nation at the time. Moses led the, the nation of Israel out of enslavement in Egypt through the desert and into a land called Canaan, which was the land that was promised to them. The transition, the season they were in, was that transition period between the problem, enslavement, Egypt, and their promise, land of Canaan. Do you know that God has delivered you and you're in transition and season walking into your promises? And there are so many promises God has for you. It's not a one-time walk. It's not a one-time arrival. It's not like, oh, I, flew. I, I did that. I've taken that trip. God has so many promises for you that you have yet to walk into. But it requires you to walk into new land sometimes. Most of us don't travel outside of a five-mile radius from our home, I think is probably the statistic. I don't know. I just made that up. Fact check me. That's fake news. And then you can tweet about it later. That pastor is extra spicy. So waiting, guess what, family? If you don't see it as a season, you'll see it as being stuck. And the enemy wants you to think you're stuck. He doesn't, want to see, he doesn't want you to see it as a season. He doesn't want you to go, oh, season. You know, seasons are cyclical. Seasons come, seasons go. And society has made the word waiting a curse word. Let me define what curse is real quick, because you're like, curse word, yeah. We hear that all the time. A curse means to be hemmed in. A curse means that you've, you have a boundary put around you that you can't move out of. The enemy wants you to think that where you're at, your problem, your circumstances are forever and eternal, and they're not. God is the only eternal thing in your life. Your problems don't exist forever. But you know that my, I'm, I'm just being vulnerable. One of my biggest problems, the way that I'm wired, maybe you're wired this way, is when I see something, I'm like, this is forever. When you're at that red light, this is, you'll hear me, my, my family, they can attest to it. I'm like, this is taking forever. 
And then someone in the car is always that per like, actually, Dad, it's been like 48 seconds. <laughs> Honor your parents by being quiet. We're like, God is forever. And he's like, no, I actually, actually, it's not. It's not forever. And you need to recognize and I need to recognize the difference between stuck and season. We live in a society where everything's fast and quick. We got it now. Man, we're like Amazon Prime. I'm like, I look something up and I'm like, is it Prime though? Because I can't wait three days for something. What's wrong with these people? They don't have that on Prime. I'm like, well, sir, we can ship that to you for $58.17. I'm like, it's a $7 item. And they're like, but you want it now. Yes, I do want it now. I'll pay $58.17 for a $6 item. Ship it to me now. Fast food isn't fast enough anymore. Just amen. I can set up a camera at the Chick-fil-A. And just watch people get irate. I've waited 17 minutes for my food. Like, woman, it would have taken you seven hours to go to the store, prepare that, cook it, kill the cow. Like, th- like let's think about this. Times have gotten great. You didn't have to raise that cow, feed that cow. In their case, chicken. You didn't have to wring its little neck, rip the feathers off of it. Cut the head off of it. Bleed it. You're like, ew. Like, what do you think you're eating? How do you think you got your food? I want it fast and now. I don't feel like cooking. Can we just go to the Chick-fil-A? Like, people, it would have taken you three hours to cook, and you're complaining that it took three minutes to get your food. You're not fat. What is your problem? Chick-fil-A, I'm writing a scathing email straight to the owner. You people are slow. You're cursed. I don't want to wait. Sometimes we need to laugh about the absurdity. Right? I'm glad I could bring some humor to your life. We got to recognize the difference between you got to know your season. Family, you got to know your season. Some of us are treat are you know <laughs> it's springtime, it's time to sow into something. And you're like, God, I want to reap the harvest of, of what I've planted. He's like, You haven't planted anything yet. No, no, hear me. God, improve my finances. You need to sow into the financial land of your life. No, I I just want you to give me more money. To fill my bank account. God's like, no. Because you'll blow it all. You can't manage $5. That's why we have Dave Ramsey Plus that we paid for, for you to take for free. I'm, this is the truth. Why? Because I don't want God to give you more money. I want him to give you more wisdom on how to handle the money that you have. So that when you get the promise of the abundance, maybe in the money, you know how to handle that money better. But I'm like, you know, my neighbor got a pay raise. And God, you're my, he does, he's evil. He doesn't even believe in you. He celebrates Halloween. 
This is the kind of stuff that I hear, by the way. And I'm like, huh? People are like, yeah. And I'm like, but hold on a second. Maybe, maybe, he, maybe he's in a season of harvest. He's in a fall season of his life. Maybe in the relationships of the people around you that you're pointing at, they're in the fall season. You know, fall is when you reap the harvest. But we forget about the principle, you can only reap what you. You want better relationships? God, I just need, people need to be nice to me and I need relationships. God's like, then be nice to people. Nice people have nice people around them. Why do I have bitter people around me, God? Because you're bitter. Is this hitting home? So you got to know your season. Some of us, we haven't sown into anything in our lives, and we expect God to, like, fast forward us to the harvest season. Now, I want to tell you something. Sometimes you sow into the thing. You're like, God, I'm going to sow into relationship. I'm going to sow into these things. I'm going to sow into my fine. I'm going to sow into these things. And God has an uncanny way because God's timing is not your timing. He is the God of time. He lives outside of time. He created the ruler that we call time. Okay? God does have a way when you sow into something to say, I'm going to pull your harvest season closer because I am not a God of your time. Don't run out ahead of God's perfect timing. Know your season. Second Peter 3, 8 through 9. I love the plain language of this. He says, don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years. A thousand years as a day. God isn't late with his promise as some measure of lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you. Yeah. He's holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone to be lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Do you know in the season that I'm in, maybe God's trying to change me more than perhaps he's trying to change my circumstance. And in changing me, my circumstance changes. But don't get ahead of God. Waiting is a season, and seasons, family, they pass. Lastly, waiting is relational. Hold on a second, Joby. Don't get spiritual on me now, dude. You're getting ahead of God. I just preached this, bro. Holy Spirit, I don't want the Holy Spirit to show up yet. Okay. Princess piano hands over there getting excited. trying to come out on me, fool. No, it's kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I'm preaching. I forgot. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Waiting is relational. It's relational. I'm going to define this word wait again. It means to be hidden or concealed, to make ready or available as if to prepare. Hidden or concealed to make ready or available as if to prepare. 
Sometimes we perceive the waiting like, God, why are you hiding me in the corner and I'm all alone? I've heard people describe it this way. I've felt this before. God's like, I'm not hiding you to create loneliness. I'm hiding you like a bride being hidden in the tent for the week before her wedding day as she's being prepared readied and her heart is being made available so that she can join the groom in what it is the two of them are going to do. God in the waiting is seeking relationship with you and I to ready us and prepare us for what is about to occur. He wants our hearts to be more open and available. Perhaps we say, God, you're the God of my salvation. You're just not the God of my family. You're the God of my salvation, but you're not the God of my business. You're the God of my salvation, but you're not the God of my politics. You're the God of my salvation, but you are not the God of my health. And we compartmentalize God, and God's like, I want you ready and available. But ultimately, I want more relationship with you. There's a power in this pause of the bride's preparation, isn't there? And there's a power in the pause that we call waiting. As God prepares us sometimes. John 15:7 says, "If you remain in me and my words remain in you." Okay, let me break this up. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Here's how we read here's how we typically read the scripture. God, I can ask you for whatever I want and you do it. I've I've heard preachers preach it. You just need to ask God and he's going to do it. He's got a promise. I'm like, "Ah, he's got a relationship." promise of the relationship was broken. So the first thing he wants to reestablish in the promise isn't to put more money or all these other peripheral things, right? He wants to actually restore the promise of relationship in your life. And he wants to start with his relationship with you. So what does the first part of the scripture says? This is what? Remain in me. We're like this bride in the tent. Our problem is we don't want to remain. We're like, I, I don't want to stay in the tent. Uh-uh. I don't like it in the tent. It's like you're putting me in the corner, God, and God's like, I'm not putting you in a corner. I'm readying you, and I'm preparing your heart for what it is that you and I are going to do together. God wants to do this with you. Yes, he will do it for you, but he wants to do it with you. Yeah, we can have Holy Spirit now. <laughs> I did forget what I was going to say. Some of you are like, dang, he lost his spot. No, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm listening right now. 
your relational environment will determine your response to your waiting. We can make it all about what it is we're waiting for, but it has more to do with who we're waiting with and who we're waiting for. I firmly believe this. I firmly believe God will utilize these situations in our life to do one thing, to draw us closer to him. He can use like the wildest circumstances, things that the enemy will, will mean for death and for curse, he will use for closeness. You have an opportunity this morning. As we, as we petition God, maybe right now for a specific thing, and I had asked at the beginning of the series, one thing you can identify you need, one thing a friend needs, and we're going to pray and we're going to go after this. And in the waiting season, we can wait actively. Pray, pray again, pray with purpose. Daddy, your word is a promise. We can understand that the wait is a season and ultimately that it's relational and God is drawing us closer every moment of this journey. Here's my question for you this morning. Are you seeking an answer or are you seeking God? Are you seeking an answer or are you seeking the one who actually gives the answer? Because everything that I just read to you, everything that I've seen, as I read through this book called the Bible made up of 66 smaller books, you know what it tells me? That I need to seek first God. I need to be out seeking his face in all decisions. I don't need to rip apart the house, knock on the door, and search after an answer. I need to rip everything apart searching after him. It's like the wildest game of hide-and-go-seek you've ever been engaged in. And God is not far off. In fact, I will tell you he is not hidden from you, but we have hidden him from ourselves. That he is present with you today and he wants you to see him in the midst of your circumstances and he wants to draw you into deeper relationship. And where do you place your hope? Do you place it in the promise or the promiser? Why don't you stand with me this morning? If you're in your living room or you're driving, if you're driving, don't stand. But maybe you need to pull your car over. I don't know where you're at. Put the hazard lights on. Get out of your car. Get on the right side of the car because it's a safer place to go. I don't want any emails or text messages. pastor told me to stand in the freeway. I need you to be spiritual, don't not stupid. We are all hidden with Christ, is what Colossians says. I, lo I love this passage. Colossians 3, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, he's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When you say, God, you can have me. What you're saying is, is that the old man has died, and the new man is hidden with Christ Jesus. And if you're in a place right now where you're like, I want, I, I want to be prepared. God, I, I want to be prepared. And I want more of your presence. 
I understand, Lord Jesus. I'm going to wait expectantly with activity in my heart. I understand that it's not forever, it's a season. And it's relational. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just open your hands up. And this is just a posture that says I'm receiving what it is that the pastor's about to pray. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray. God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that the promise of relationship, of being our Father, of restoring the relationship that was broken, that the promise of that relationship is the first thing that you want to restore in the waiting. So God, restore the relationship between us and you. Restore the relationship between child and father. Restore the relationship that was broken, that the enemy wants to think that we're cursed and that we're alone in this battle called life, but we're not. Let our hope be in you, not what you bring. We thank you, God. We praise you for who you are. Give us wisdom and insight. And we trust that you will provide as we explore the power of the pause that we call the wait. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen.